Welcome to the Master Slave Lifestyle Podcast. Here we'll interview real people living the real Master Slave lifestyle, all consensual and all in different ways. And in this episode... Nobody come in my sessions. Nowadays, only when I allow it. BDSM full of rituals. Tantra is the core of all of my work. This is masterslavelifestyle.com. Hello everyone. So this is a master that I have wanted to talk to for quite some time. He's an artist, tantra monsieur, kingster, astrologer, and a tarotist. He's someone that combines total power exchange with sacred kink, and it's my pleasure to introduce Master Victor. So welcome to the podcast. Hello. So what I'd like to do first is start to go through a bit of your history. So could you start by telling us how did you first find BDSM? Oh, BDSM, I found it basically through my work. When I, after many years of uh, working in theater, traveling around Europe with my partner, I finally decided to stop the traveling and we established ourselves in Amsterdam. And then we started to create our new theater company. And then the work that we find was in the fetish community, we as a performers. So we create our own brand where we combine comedy and fetish and we do basically was erotic shows in the sense of comedy. So it was kind of a funny, taking the funny bit into the BDSM world, but we, we used to work a lot on fetish parties in Amsterdam and also in Berlin. Once or twice we went to London and then our stories were comic, but always involved with the BDSM stuff. This means my partner was dressed as a woman and whatever, and she was hanged out and horrible things happened to her, but all in planned comedy. So this was my first really connection with the BDSM wall. And basically a very good friend of mine brought me to this party. It's called Wasteland. Perhaps you know, it. it's also in Berlin sometimes. And I work with the Wasteland community with the Wasteland party for more than nine years, 10 years. I get in contact with the BDSM community through that fetish parties. Okay, so you got in contact with the BDSM community and then what was your journey from, let's say, now being in contact with this community to becoming a master? I was a very particular and beautiful night, actually, that I still remember because I was once of that party first. The first things... Everything that happened in the party, all the works we did, it always kind of speak to me. I felt like, okay, this is what I like. And I did it in theater and there and the parties. <clears throat> but it never occurred to me to say like, oh, but that you can also be part of it as an impersonal story. And my partner, which I have a primal, a basic uh, relationship with vanilla. I have a vanilla relationship for more than 20 years. <laughs> He's a, an actor like me. So we live together and we perform for whatever. And he told me like, oh, you seems like you like this. You should go for it. And this was the moment when it's like a, a light point went into my head. Oh, yeah, that is interesting. And happened that in one of those night performing in the Wayson party, I saw um, a beautiful woman, a Japanese um, rigger, doing a bondage session in a huge cage, but huge cage. She was a tiny little woman and kind of Japanese geisha style oh, wow. and the man was a Dutch man like typical Dutch man almost two meters high and full leather and mask rubber suddenly I was just enchanted by the scene 
And I saw her lifting up this guy like puff, puff, puff up in the air. And I say, wow, that I want to do. And this was the beginning. And I became myself a rigger. Bondage is my main work. And through life, because the artist performing community in Europe is not too huge, sure, you get in contact. And a few years later, I made the same performer. We were together in a show and I would talk. And then later I went with my slave to Berlin, took workshop with her as well. So it was a kind of very interesting, the beginning and how life brings you to that stuff. But that's why bondage is my main thing. Between other stories, why raw bondage? That's also because the art element you can find there. Ah, so part of the bondage, it's not just the control, but the visual look, the craftsmanship. Yeah, because for me, the slave become art piece. And as like the archetypes, I will be the magician and my slave will be the magic object, the enchanted object. And that I do through bondage. Do you want to explain a bit more what you mean about magician there for people (laughs) that that might not know about it? Yeah, basically, when you go through the archetypes, I think I told you about this book. It's a very interesting book. It's actually behind me here. <laughs> Ask to read it's it. It's a interesting book about uh, the DSM. I did read a lot of I really love to study what I do. So and then she talks about the archetypes. Well, the many archetypes that we know, submissive, dominant, master, slave, daddy, boy, girl, etc., etc. And one of the archetypes, the DSM archetypes she mentioned, is called the magician and the uh, enchanted object, which is really had to do with what I do, especially because when I mix astrology and tarot and all this magic stuff together with my art and creating images, because I love to create images, make video, photography, and then the slave or the submissive become my art piece. And then in this case, when you have LTR, long-term relationship, with you submissive or your slave, then he became my magic enchanted object because I do astrological magic with them. <laughs> if you were an observer and seeing someone that was just doing bondage normally or seeing you as a magician doing bondage, would we see any difference in it? Yeah, will be because that aspect is connected to what I practice a lot, which is called sacred king. And Sacred King involved ritualism. And ritualism is part of when, the, how I work a scene. How I work the scene, for me, go to steps. And every step is connected through a line which involves protocols, but the protocol not just a protocol, but also a protocol that they, has the spiritual element in. Okay. We will come back to the Sacred yes, King. Yes, I saw it. Later. Later. So you're now becoming a rigger. You're starting to do bondage with people and you're doing this in a more magician-like way. Um, So what was the pull for you to want to do BDSM in a more spiritual manner? First, I start to do sessions, right? BDSM sessions, mostly rigger because I want to learn and I start to slowly get into the sensation, the connection that has the rigger with this uh, roll bunny. I start to feel it. I'm a very sensitive person, so I really connect myself through the person, through emotions. That's very important for me. So then through the story, I found that the spiritual aspect was very important for me. 
And when I'm talking about the spiritual, I'm not talking about religion. And that I want to make a really important point there because mostly when you connect religion with the spirituality, the things like, I know the people freak out because we know what religion does and we know what religion is. And spirituality has nothing to do with that. And spirituality is how I connect with my surround, in this case, with my partner and the journey that I choose. And so therefore, when I do sessions, I work a lot with rituals. BDSM is full of rituals. Actually, that's what I really found fascinating because BDSM is a lot about rituals. Now, the things that will make the difference you are conscious about. So if you are conscious, they're going to put a collar, the act, when you begin a scene and a slave or the submissive come to you and you put the collar, if you do a conscious way, which means now I'm connecting to you, I'm going to close the lock and the click will begin the magic act. Actually, it is a magic act because something happened in the brain. Bing, and that's very interesting when you have conscious about it. And that I always do in my sessions for me, uh, with clients or with my slave or submissive. For me, that's very important. And now, through my journey, I discovered that the spiritual part was very important for me. So I started to find which journey to take. And uh, that brought me into Tantra. And Tantra is the core of all my work. And could you explain a little what Tantra means uh, for someone that might just know it from the popular culture kind of sense? Yeah, Tantra basically... First, was very important to me because Tantra gave me the tools that I use in my BDSM practice. Now, Tantra is very important in the sense of to connect to your body, to the people that you are with, and very deep level. Because what Tantra is, is in very old tradition, Indian tradition. Some say it's around 4,000 years old, coming from India. And that philosophy of life, is looking for connecting with your body, with your senses, with the energies inside you, and that you have five important tools that give you to work. One is yoga, massage, uh, ritualism, sacred sexuality, and pranayamas. And what is pranayamas? Pranayamas. A pranayamas is a breath work. Breath work, okay, thank yeah. you. So with these five tools, I work always in my BDSM session. So if you have a person that comes as a client, uh, the first thing I do is a tantric massage, and I introduce them in a little workshop of what tantra is. Why? Because they need to first connect to themselves, to their own body. They need to learn some basic technique of breathing, Basic, very important part is what we practice in Tantra is called sacred lock, which will mean we work with the chakra system. Yes. So we work with the chakra system, we move energy, which will be Kundalini energy, move from the first chakra into the upper chakras. What those are the chakras? The chakras are centers of energy that are in the body. And then when you do sacred lock, you, it's called Muladhara, you work with the first chakra, what is basically breathe in, conscious breathing. What does it mean they basically conscious breathing? I know that this breathing is life. So this breathing is also called prana. When you breathe in, I will ask you to push, uh, you compress your perineum, which basically you pat, skets, you press your butt. And the moment where you're breathing and you hold the breathing. And when you hold the breathing and then after a while you let out the breath, 
and then you start to move energy from the first chakra into the upper chakra. What we'll feel is like, imagine for a person, after practicing, you will start to feel it's like a prostate massage without anything in there. It's like you're doing a prostate massage by breathing. And that I use it quite a lot in my practice. Thank you for sharing that. As you've been talking about this, like what spiritual is or what tantra is, it makes me reflect on my own kind of work as I always kind of think around connection or pain or sexual kind of urges. It's all energy. And then when I have the connection with the master, it's energy of them connection as well. And so I really resonate with what you're saying that it's this sort of connection that kind of builds up. Before I knew more about this, the way that I was always aware of it was that there was this connection with a master or top, but there was something more there. There was something that kind of you could feel a little bit more around the connection with this person. It made you a bit more alive. So if anyone's sort of wondering, can I do this or not? I think anyone can, but you might already be feeling parts of this when you're, let's say, having a scene or a session with someone and you're just feeling that there's something more there. That's what you say. This is actually very important. This feeling of is something more there. That is what happened to me when I was beginning in BDSM. I was doing my rear session, but I felt always that it's naturally small, you know. That is what Tantra gives to me. Tantra gives me a ground place. And then you mix technique. And then come another element, which is the master-slave relationship, which is, is something that's going on top of it. And that is make it basically very, uh, yeah, it's another level. <laughs> When you take it from this, the perspective of sacred sexuality or tantric way or mixing tantra and BDSM, and that's what I do basically in the tantric community where I work. I give lessons in uh, how you can mix tantra and BDSM. In this case, will be normally they call it shadow work. Why shadow? Because you work with the dark zones of our, the subconscious or the information and there are things that we are, let's say, kind of Forbidden, they will say like the bad stuff or the devil, <laughs> if you can say it. And uh, I always work very much to empower people, to tell them, listen, there's nothing bad about it. Uh, for a submissive, you are not less of a person because you have submissive feeling. Basically, you are a very strong person and you are very valuable. Someone that really wants to go into submission and 100% is you require a lot of strength to do that uh, for real. I work a lot also with dominance to help them to balance, to accept, to work with the sun and the moon. Now, when I say sun and the moon, I'm talking about astrology. Uh, basically, the sun and the moon basically has to do with the emotional side, how I balance with my own emotional side, how I can connect with my submissive or my slave in an emotional way that it can help that the relationship grows and help both because uh, as a dominant, doesn't mean you need to know everything. You learn with you, Sumisi, and you grow through it. For me, and that's very tantric, what I'm going to say now, whatever happened in the tantric session, at the end of the session, you feel like you grew something, something new you learn. That's tantric. And I apply the same concept into BDSM. In BDSM sessions, you necessarily need to see, well, what I learned from this, what we learned together in this, how I grew 
how I recognize myself with you and that space. So it's a lot of very little beautiful details that can make a difference in how you approach. And for me, what is important here to say to you, what I wanted to talk to you is because giving often the possibility to anyone there, listen, that is also another way <laughs> to work with King. Doesn't mean that my way is the way. I think everybody is half allowed to find their own way, but this is also a way where you connect to your spiritual side. And with, I say when you connect to a spiritual side, I'm talking about sacred king and king aware. So I'm conscious of my body, I'm conscious of the space I am working, my sacred space, let's say, and I'm conscious of I'm working with you, you are my submissive or my slave, and I know who you are, I connect with you emotionally, I connect with you touching you, I connecting you, bringing you into that zone where you are vulnerable and you want to feel trust and you want to feel protected. And all those elements that I love, that works very much in the bondage area, the raw bondage give me all those elements. I always connect to raw bondage to Saturn as a planet because the raw bondage give restraint like Saturn. They give limits, you know, they give you limits, but also in the same time offer protection. The person in bondage feels home, feels they can really feel the trip the journey as a trustworthy journey. Uh, it's happened sometimes that some submissive, I remember scenes I have where the submissive has uh, heart suspended and he fall asleep, for example, and I let him sleep and I put in a specific music. So you are kind of modulating the situation. What you win with that? Well, this is what gives me pleasure. <laughs> So let's go a bit deeper into So you mentioned a few terms such as sacred kink or this idea of protocols and, and rituals. For people that have never done this before, could you kind of give like a, let's say a series of steps about how that sort of scene would actually kind of happen? So for instance, if I was a submissive or a slave and I was about to serve a master in this sacred kink space, how would that scene kind of move along? That's what is interesting and in the DSM and King especially, that already a lot of things that are in the King uh, journey are already very much connected to the sacred somehow. The thing is that we are not making it conscious. How? For example, we always talk about protocols. We also, you can find in the King community, you talk about rituals. And there is, in the leather community, as rituals. And there were, or I don't know, the point is with the past of the year, uh, things got into, I don't know, I think perhaps we got into uh, fashion <laughs> too much. And then the color, the meaning of the color has stopped to be, it's just almost an object. But if you go deep in it, you can find in the roots of it a lot of ritualism. So that is what I take from so that's what I said to you before. If I work with you with a collar, I will use the collar as a magic element, as a ritual element, as an open up of scene. The scene begins when I put the lock in you and the scenes end when I open the lock and you're free. So you ask me how work basically a scene. If you have a scene, let's say with my slave, she goes into chastity device, which is one of the practices that I really like. Then later you can ask me why, <laughs> but okay, <laughs> I'll go over that. And he goes into chassis device for minimal a week. This means seven days. 
So what will mean that he will not be ejaculating in seven weeks? So all this energy, which is also very tantric, you will store in yourself because when you ejaculate, you basically release energy. So by not ejaculating, you keep the energy with yourself. So basically this already, when you are the slave, okay, we're going to have a meeting this day, seven days before you are not ejaculating. So you are in chastity, you are already beginning the session. Just the session begins seven days before. So this is almost like the preparation, building the energy, aligning yourself in readiness. And then when the session is going to come the night before, you need to do enemas. A what, sir? And enemas also become a sacred ritual because you are cleaning yourself. What is the water? An esoteric term means it's a cleaning element. You reborn with water. What is in religion? You go to bautism. Bautism. It's water. So then you have knowledge of that. So when you clean yourself, you're already doing the ritual. Then when the person comes to your house, you have a protocol. Normally, mm-hmm. protocol that I follow will be because we have chat quite a lot. Communication goes quite well in online time and the internet time we live now. So you don't need to talk when you are in a session. So you already, all the setup is done. So when the slave come, he knows what he has to do. He undress and he come to my temple. My temple is my dungeon. It's a mix between dungeon <laughs> and temple. So that's why I call it temple. With candles and music and incense and all those things I like. Everything that's choose for the moments, the essence I work, I choose depending on the day we are working with, which planet I'm working with. So the submissive just like come, he undress, and he enter the sacred space, crawling. He place himself at my feet, and there's where I put the collar. And then the scene begins. I always begin with the cleanup, which means energetic cleanup, which is tantric, doing conscious breathing. I use essential oils uh, for this first ritual, let's say, because the putting of the collar is already a ritual. And the person is already in this magic moment. And then the scene begins. And the scene begins, you have an idea of things you want to do, but you always leave leave time for uh, where the scenes bring you because it's the magic of it. You're not working with, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. No, you have so many possibilities. So you see how the energy works. And so you always then on move with the flow. It's where is it moving yeah. you? Yeah. Where rather than having too much of a plan, then it's like, okay, we know what we have discussed, but then no, no. plans. <laughs> where are we individually and together heading? And yeah. let's kind of follow that. Yeah, yeah. And it helped me a lot, uh, the scene that I've been for more than 30 years, theater director. I direct actors in my whole life. So directed submissive is quite easy for me. <laughs> it's come naturally. So I have the sense of the rhythm of the scene. So as a dominant, I need to know very clear that I have different possibilities, scenarios they're going to do. Obviously, the slave doesn't know what is going to happen, which gives an element of a surprise. Although I know him so well that we know the, the lines, the red lines, that is already clear. But what is interesting is that by doing it, I know where everything is in the room. Why? <laughs> because it's very important for the rhythm of the scene. 
it's very important to have very practical things in the room. Like if you need a lighter for, because you need to have a candle work. If you plan, you know where the lighter is, you know where are the scissors because you need to cut a rope that something gone wrong. You need to always prepare for perhaps something go wrong. Or perhaps you have to change the dynamic because you sense that this is not working, then you need to change immediately into something else. So that awareness of what is happening is always very exciting because you can have a plan, but the journey has their own plan with you. And that makes I love the way that you've spoken about this because one of the things I've always thought about that's a good session, be it spiritual or not, is to think of it like a story or a dance, that it has a rhythm. And when you can sort of feel that rhythm then move with it, it can be this incredible experience. I once remember doing like an intro pain session with someone and they were allowed to move so they could take the pain as energy and then move with it. And we ended up almost doing like a waltz around this hallway, you know, because that was where the energy was going. And we just went deeper and deeper into that kind of journey. Then it was quite incredible. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. Um, For example, in the case you talk about flogging, if you're going to go there, I will do a massage first. So you prepare the body. You can feel inside the body more. You prepare the body. That's very important. And when that's happening, the connection with you as slave or submissive is amazing because he knows what you're doing. The worst thing that can happen <laughs> is that the submissive is like a suspicious about what is going to happen in terms of there's not secure, there's not trust. So the trust building is not something that happened in one session. It's something that grows through time. And you never rush, don't rush anything because what you will do, you can break the connection with you, submissive or your slave. That's very important. Never rush anything. BDSM especially is something that the way I see is not something you do in one time. It's, it's not one session, it's many sessions. Do you think that links in because you're demisexual as well or does that link in more for your spiritual kind of work? The demisexual part is very important for me in the sense of I need to connect emotionally with someone, but also the spiritual element come together with. It doesn't mean you need to be demisexual and spiritual at the same time. When I say spiritual, it's not like religion. Don't connect it to religion. Connect it to be aware of yourself. Be aware of the space. Be aware with you playing with. That's one thing that I don't do, never, is I don't play with drugs and sessions, never. Because they, they can get in a way of, of the actual true connection. Exactly. I always remember this. This was when I was much younger and having this amazing connection with someone which I'd now say is more spiritual. But at that time, I just, there was something more there. And we actually took a hit of poppers and it completely destroyed exactly. the connection we had been building. And it was a really strange thing, you know, that we could get back to it because it was just a hit of poppers and we could take a break. But it was really interesting feeling that kind of sudden change and the actual natural connection at this deeper level was so much more fulfilling than using poppers to kind of create this false elevation, let's say. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. And then with time, you will see that is the power of it when you work with BDSM in this way. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not saying to you, I'm against drugs. I did smoke joints my whole life. Now, because health, I cannot. If they could, they will. 
but never in a session. Why? For two reasons. One, if my submission is my slave in some kind of drugs, I won't be controlling. I wouldn't be dominating because he is somewhere else and I want to have control. <laughs> That's what I am, a controller. That's what I do. And if myself, I'm in the drugs or whatever, I'm not aware of what is happening. And then you can have an accident and I'm not connecting. I mean, it's like when you work with drugs, you work with Neptune. This means your reality is amplified into something that you don't have total control, even if you want. That's why it's very important. If you're going to do suspension, I will never do it. <laughs> no way. Because I'm too careful and I don't want that, uh, an accident to happen. Even I had things happening. You always need to be ready for when things happen. But the thing is to minimize the um, consequence. And when accident happens, it's always for stupid things. So if you take something, you make the risk double. Like it's possible that something happened. Maybe not. But then going to what you say, the level of connection. So... I want to come now to, so you actually have a full-time slave. Yes. So how did you find each other? Uh, that was uh, around the year 2017. I was already starting to study Tantra, to become a Tantra master. But at the same time, I was doing a training session for myself with different people that want to be um, tied up and bondage. And there's something very interesting I want to tell you that in those moments of training, my sessions were not sexual sessions. I didn't date sexually. I didn't have sex with the person. Because for me, VDSM and sex doesn't mean they're connected. You sometimes can have a relationship with a slave or a submissive, and it's not any sexual contact. Sometimes you have a servant with you don't have sex. Yes. But there's a servant. So in those days, I was doing sessions where I was very much concentrated in bondage because what I wanted to learn was my... And then parallel to that, I was doing all the things. But I never have sex with the persons, which was very interesting because the aim of my scene was not that you're going to come. Actually, nobody come in my sessions. Nowadays, only when I allowed it, if I wanted. So because a session is not about coming. And this is also very tantric. <laughs> in the tantric massage session, you never come. Why? Because you break the energy. You know, you can go through a 24-hour session without any drugs. Why? Because you are not coming. Because when you come, you take the energy. So you, yeah, yeah. and that's go away. So control and that what you're doing, another basic of a BDSM, come control. Not only yourself, but also the slave. And that I was in this period. And then suddenly one of those sessions, I have many different experiences. I learn a lot with that experience. I learn what I don't need, want to do and I learn what I want. I still remember my first sessions as a dominant. I was like, oh, shit. I was not sloppy, huh? <laughs> uh -huh. I was not sloppy. But what I know now to compare to those days, is, I was like, oh, my God. But you need to begin somewhere. Eh? This is very important. And this journey around the 2017, uh, just a guy and through record contacted me. Hey, sir. It was like, I don't remember well, but it was something about he was interested in Tantra because I might record profile I talk about Tantra. It also, well, if he said a submissive or a slave come to me talking about interested in the tantric element, this means that something is somebody is not only interested in and a date, you know, is, is some more. So then I make the appointment and he came around three o'clock. I have checked the astrological time. Those days I was not an astrologer, but I see it now it was a really good 
astrological timing. And then he entered the door and I look at him, he looked at me and it was, I say, okay, here I'm done. <laughs> I fall immediately. And then I did the first tantric ritual and he was shaking completely. The whole body was, so it was completely. And oh, the sessions was around five hours and it was crazy. We didn't have sex. It was crazy session. I did a lot of suspension, prostate massage, hanging, everything. It was very incredible. And okay, he left. And then the same day, in the afternoon, he was already chatting, thanking me for the wonderful session. I said, yeah, I want to see you again. And then never stopped. And then six months later, I was his master because we started to see each other regularly. What things was for me interesting about him is called Slave Runner. He has a lot of knowledge of things that I didn't knew, like toys placed, a lot of things that I was, oh, that's interesting. At the beginning, I said, I will take him as a, my university courses in MBDSM. <laughs> so, and then I did my bondage and I grew with then bondage and then he introduced things. I learned things through him, things that I never dared to do, but now I do. Well, like, for example, mummification. He loved mummification. And since I worked with him doing mummification as an art piece, which is something at the beginning I was afraid because I always wanted to do that. A scene that I do is not risk. So I need to cross my own fear. Finally, I did. And it was very incredible. Um, he was not a, somebody that was into pain, but I brought him there through the years. It didn't happen the first year. Things came like pain. I'm talking about flogging. I like impact, which is different kind of pain. No? You have the torture pain that is, is you apply pain into a person with an object and that can be not as an impact. You can stay in there for you know, like nipple clamps or things like that, that he called torture, but it's different to the impact. So I learned a lot of things through him. He was introduced to things that I like, like fisting, for instance. I was introduced into things he likes very much, like chain. Bondage with ketting, chain, and locks, which now I like it very much because the feeling of... It's always good. Exactly. <laughs> I love metals now, and which is very interesting because metal is Mars. I associate the different aspects of BDSM play to different planets, and the metal is Mars. I like it very much. Like Venus is massage. So with him, I learned a lot of new stuff. And then he was not very much into the spiritual side into the sacred king side. But yeah. <laughs> Over seven years, you've yeah. suddenly this got thing a happened. relationship. And then I can do astrological magic with him. So would you say that there's anything different in your relationship compared to another master-slave relationship because it has a sacred component and the um, sacred kink as a part of it? One thing is very important. For example, he basically, besides the scenes, he helped me a lot in my regular life. For example, when I do workshops, he is the model in the bondage session. He brings me with a car to wherever I need to go. And I do the workshop in different places in Holland with him. He brings me up and down with all whole stuff. He is a model. I teach the bondage to him, BDSM. And so he's a very important part in that aspect. So through that, he gets in contact with the tantric people. Because this, I do it in the tantric community, so he naturally fall into it. 
And one of the things important that through the massage, that's what I see the first day I met him, by touching him, I see the energy there. So it was not really a difficult thing to hold. And how it works for us basically is that all the BDSM rituals we do are work in a way where we are both connected. Uh, so like we respect the color, you know, all the things, you know, even uh, I can consecrate tools that I work with. It's a way of how you put your mind, it's your mindset. It's about intentions. It's going to come an angel and do something to you. <laughs> or it's about the intention that I put in what I'm doing. And that we never use drugs. He even, he was used to, and he did poppers, but he knows that I get sick with poppers, so I'm not going to use them anyway. So if you do a feasting that can be working perhaps with poppers in the first date, took me six months to get into a full feasting. But then through massage to breathing work was also tantric. So it's a road, it's a different road, it's a little longer perhaps, but more effective. Thank you. And from a practical point of view, so how does your 24-7 relationship work? Because if I remember correctly, you don't live together, do you? You know, you live separately. Yes. It works through internet. This is a very important tool because internet, between sessions, filling the gap. So one thing's the check-in and check-out, I call it. The day begins with the check-in and the day finish with the check-out. And through the day, you can send message, connect. And also you can do uh, sometimes, depending if this free day is not working, once we were, I don't know if you know this game, internet games called Second Life. Oh, yes. So we met sometime in Second Life and we do journeys in Second Life and it's very much great fun. Uh, also, well, through the CV, chassis device. And also I tell him what to wear sometimes, when to wear chassis device, when not. Sometimes assignments, depending if it's time for it. So you can really enhance your dynamic a lot. You know, and there's so much you can do with internet nowadays. And how often do you see each other? Now it's like once a month. Normally it's twice, but we have at times where we go, for example, I go a lot every year, kind of a holiday for one week to experience the 24-7 week. I go to Germany to BDSM camping. It's very close to Berlin. It's called the Sweet Mansions. I got already seven years there. And it's wonderful because you experience seven days of BDSM where it's full play and the nature and the forest. It's a wonderful place where you can, they have a lot of stuff you can use. We go with the car, so every half of my dungeon go <laughs> to Germany <laughs> every year. And it's great because then the service in terms of cooking, uh, sometimes I cook, but normally it's just this master slave service. And when the first time happened for me was a big thing because I thought if this work out, I think we have a future because, and then you can have a session with someone every now and then, but when you are living an experience together for a long period, I guess you are notice, uh, you experience yourself. Then you know if, if there is a connection, how that things work. Because in a session, when you're high and the play, is, everything is fine. But when life comes, when you face life, is when they really face if it's working or not. As I always say to people that are interested, the master is not only there when it's fun, it's also there when it's 
the curtain fall and things go sour and yeah, it's like human life. And that's very important. Thank you for sharing that. So if there are people who are interested in, let's say, starting to explore sacred kink, what would you recommend for them to do as their first two or three steps? I really recommend that read a little bit about it. There's a lot of information that you can find in the internet. Can you recommend the book? I recommend this book, Dark Moon Rising from Pagan BDSM and the Ordeal Path. It's a very good book where you can in contact with that aspect. And the other one is called Sacred King from Lee Harrington. He has many other books and that will bring you to the elements of what is Sacred King. And also he talks about one chapter, talk about Tantra, which is, is my approach to uh, Tantra. Now, the second step is to find a person that are into it. <laughs> this is very important because you need to find someone that can connect and that level that they are interested not only in the fun, let's say, the sexual aspect, but also the what you want to get the connection in an emotional way. And then you can start to, let's say, going into. Also, the thing that I recommend if you are in contact with some tantric community, learn to give massage. I recommend always, well, my slave or my submission need to learn to do massage because master one massage. <laughs> so that's very important. <laughs> but also you give massage, you as a dominant, because you enter in, in contact with other energy through massage. It's different to do a flogging or different to do a scene. When you give massage, you get in another way of connection. So then you start already the path of sacred. And then when anything you do, since you use a collar or, or any element, especially the collar, put an intention. And what means an intention? Like, okay, you feel come here. We do a scheduler ritual. You come in crawling. You want to connect to the archetype. That's very important. I want to connect to the archetype. And that is where we get lost a little bit sometimes. When I'm talking about the archetype, I'm talking about the submissive archetype or slave archetype and or the dominant or the master archetype, which means you connect with that energy. What the caller does is make the link. So I hear many submissive, what they feel when the click happens, it's like something moves energetically. And then you have the connection. And then you are in together in the dance that you were talking before. So when you are aware of that, you already start sacred kink. Thank you. It's about being aware. So to summarize that, it's do some research. And we've got these two books, Sacred Kink and Dark Moon Rising. We'll put the links to those in yeah. the um, podcast links. Um, but then there's also learning things such as tantra massage and finding like-minded people and finding like-minded groups. Also, music is very important. I always use music that bring me to alter self-consciousness, which is another aspect of BDSM as well. We're talking about the subspace, the dome space, and we're talking about alter self-consciousness. Also in Tantra, we say subconscious. I use also um, smell, taste. For example, you have um, somebody blindfold. It's very important, blindfold. Why the blindfold? Because the blindfold, where you're not seeing, you all other senses are awake. So blindfold is very important. And also, if somebody wants to be blindfold, it means that somebody is trusting you already. The blindfold is not just, okay, a blindfold. And you get conscious of what blindfold means, you are open the other senses. And the person doesn't know what is going to happen. Then you are in charge already. 
and then you can introduce, for example, if I have somebody blindfold and bondage. I introduce aromas with the diffuser. You put aromas in the air, so you breathe the air of perfume or whatever essence you want to work with. Taste uh, fruits. Uh, sometimes I give them food when they are blind. So you work with the senses, all the senses, and then you're not talking only in genitals. Yeah, the genitals is the last part of the cake. Never go direct to the genitals because you'll kill it. I can really vouch for this as well. I was actually doing a non-BDSM workshop over the last few months where they brought in a lot of energy, but it was a lot of the smell, the sounds, the music, the food was all part of that journey. And it was incredibly powerful and transformation. Transformation not for me. You can do massage with feather. You can have different touch of massage. You can do massage with cloth. It's so much there. <laughs> and they're not expensive. You don't need to go to buy the gear that costs two, 300 euros. No, you buy a feather <laughs> and some cloth and blindfold and you already start. And the ropes are not expensive. Learn your ropes. There's a lot of tutorials and YouTube. You can find how to learn to make rope on that. Yeah, okay. This means that when I would say I don't do dates. I never do dates. I don't date. I do experiences. And to do an experience or journey, you need to prepare. And the preparation means that who I going to give my time, let's say you have a connection with the person. So normally in BDSM, I have a meeting with the person, talk to <laughs> who are you. Normally I do it online. I talk a lot online to see if it's the right person. If he's not a client, even if he's a client, I need to decide if I want to give my time to that person, if the person understands what I'm talking about. I remember once, this is kind of a funny story, a guy came from somewhere in Holland and he told me that he loved bondage and blah, 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 blah. Was those days I was just beginning. I was half away on my journey and he came to a session. I mean, he said to me that he wants bondage, but when I was doing the bondage, you feel that the person was bored. When's going to come the funny part? <laughs> you know, and then if you say to me, if you want bondage, and then you're thinking only in genitals, then there's not the point. And actually just uh, finish the session, you know, because it's not the point. I always tell people don't come to a session to um, ejaculate. It's not ejaculation in my session. Only if, after, whatever, but never in the first session, you know, because it's something else. Sir, thank you. And sir, thank you for everything that you've shared over this session. Is there anything else that you want to say before we finish? I told most of it I wanted to tell. The things I always want to begin with some person, just give yourself time. For example, now I begin with a new submission already for a while, and I give him the whole time, even if the person he is very eager, like, a, you know, it happened to me a lot that in the past people are very eager at the beginning. They want to give you everything and I can understand, but I felt that they need time because perhaps you are now in, in this rush of the emotion. So I want to wait for when the emotions goes down and you see what happened now. We, came, we have four sessions. I call him a red boy. The whole four sessions are like a wow in the air, you know, very high energy going on. But then I say, I need a time. I do process of three sessions, three sessions, 
we talk about what happened, what is your evaluation, we can have a contract for another three sessions. And then you grow, okay, then months, whatever, because for example, I will never sign a contract with someone that a few weeks later is, is not gonna be is over. You understand? I do. Like, I'm not gonna own you, I'm not gonna ask an owning contract because after two months, the, own, the contract's finished. You know, those aspects are very important. So that's what I recommend to people and everything, give yourself time. So, sir, thank you so much. This has been a fascinating interview and I've loved this episode so much. Thank you for sharing and thank you everyone for listening. If you'd like to be interviewed by me or know someone who would, you can get in touch with me at the email contact at masterslavelifestyle.com. You can now support the podcast, website, and Masterslave community through Patreon membership. Receive benefits such as early access to the podcast, exclusive video workshops, and more, along with my thanks for supporting me. There is now a free download to help you take the next steps in the Masterslave lifestyle, suitable for both beginners and those who want a full-time relationship. Check out the show notes for more information on both. And if you're interested in finding out more on the 24-7 Total Power Exchange lifestyle, go to the website at masterslavelifestyle.com for more information. Thank you all for listening.